that was a new one. Fine. Fine. In a world where a fuzzy-headed boy is in need of friends, and he's in need of meeting a world, there's a world, and it's big, and it rolls across the desk, and he kind of props up against it? Is that what he does? Yeah, this is definitely either the best or worst intro we've ever done. It's in the top four. I'm just trying to remember, because there's a world... And then there was a boy. The, the world rolls over him in, in the uh, season two credits. Ah, like okay. The, the opening. So, I mean, it does roll. That's true. So, yeah. It works, I reckon. Yeah, that, so welcome to What the What. Either way, we Either finally way, made it. We, we are here, and this is the episode we've been talking about for a month now. Yep, Boy Meets World. This is Boy We're Meets here. World. Yeah. This is round two. The uh, first one we did. It's, it the, it's the lost episode. I don't even think we saved it. I hope not. I definitely deleted it. There's no need to go back and review it because it's not. It was awful. It was so. the worst thing we've ever done. And I know we've only done this is our fourth episode, but it's yeah. definitely the worst. Out of the ranking, one through four, it's like it's seventh zero. or eighth or ninth or yeah, it's horrible. I mean, five hundred and thirty fourth. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, just the worst. Yeah, uh, Boy Meets World. It's been a classic uh, ever since we decided we wanted to do a podcast. We decided Boy Meets World is right up there on things we want to talk about. Let me ask you. Yeah. Why has it resonated with people like us? I mean, we post something, posted something on Facebook earlier, and people just have all these strong feelings about we it. We do. Uh, why do you think it still resonates with us over almost 20 years later? Well, going back, I didn't get to go back and watch the entire series, but I did make it through a good amount of seasons. And I really just feel like it just holds true. It's still really good TV. Uh, there's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of other things. I think we're going to touch on that a little later. But there's a lot of just good moments in general that just – that are real it's also funny and just good you know family tv but also it just really sticks through it's it holds its uh it ages well i guess is the right thing to say but right. over time like it still just sticks through it still it holds up i feel I think there's a nostalgia point to it where i watch it and there's like oh man i love this because of nostalgia but also if i was watching it for the first time Honestly, watching it older now, I'm seeing it in a different light anyway. Like, as a younger kid, I saw it and focused on certain things. Now that I'm older and watch it, it hits me in a different way. Like, some of the emotional things hits me a lot harder now versus when I was a kid. You know, I was like, oh, man, that's pretty serious. But I didn't think twice as much about it. I just liked the laughing and the funny and everything else, which is still great. And it still holds up, too. But I think that's the thing for me. How about you? For me, it's the characters. Um, okay. I, I I just love the characters and I relate to some of them in different ways. Uh, the stories were awesome. You know, it was funny, like you said. It got a little wackier towards the end, mm-hmm. um, but o- overall, I just enjoyed going on this ride where I grew up with these characters. Yeah, for sure, I get that. Like they grew up on our screens, and mm-hmm. I was growing up with them. They're going through the same things we're going through. Mm-hmm. They're going through the peer pressure. They're going through. Uh, trying to find a date, you know, when you're in middle school or in high school, just knowing those characters uh, were going through the same things that I was going through at that time. It was just very relatable to me. Yeah, I totally get that. And I feel like I hit a lot of that same thing, especially like for me, I watched some of the earlier seasons and I jumped through and did some special like episodes. I'm um, trying to recap to do this, but um, I definitely think about that, you know, it's first dates, first kisses, first all sorts of things like that that really stand out. You know, it is, 
that you know represented well. Now, sure, it is a little bit overly funny in some aspects because of it, but it's a TV show. But I still think it does well to represent what you go through in those moments. But it is having an older sibling, like for me, with him having Eric, with me having an older sister, especially when she started going through you know stages of dating people in the same way. You know, I feel like a lot of that you know related to me, you know, in a way that I could relate to it. So a lot of relation there. The first one we're going to get into is dealing with Corey's relationship with Mr. Feeney. Uh, I wrote this down as, you know, I did a little few notes here, but the biggest thing, the first thing I wrote down was, I love how they're not buddy-buddy. They're not like best friends. I remember being a younger kid and even a bit older watching it now, especially when he's in the first couple episodes, he's just, you know, the mean neighbor, the mean principal. You know, that's how, especially as a younger kid watching it, I was like, oh, you know, it's just a mean old teacher or the mean old neighbor that doesn't understand, doesn't let him be a kid or whatever. Basically, Mr. Feeney was positioned as the antagonist a little yeah. bit from Corey's point of view. It's it's a lot like Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson, especially in those early episodes. Now, don't get me wrong, like, I go back and watch some of the old black and white Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson, you know, back and forth. And I don't feel like Mr. Wilson ever is truly loving unless it's a really dangerous, upsetting thing. Right. Whereas Mr. Feeney actually has a heart for, you know, not just Corey, but for his, you know, his students, his neighbors. Um, that was something that really stood out to me that as we go on, you know, I get a deeper appreciation for George Feeney. Um, he's much more than just a teacher or a principal, a neighbor. He's someone that really does care about each one of these people that he's involved with. Um, and I think we can all benefit from some of that. You know, I see him and I think about somebody in my life. I think about teachers I had. Um, you know, I'll talk about this a little bit later in the conversation with a different teacher. But for him, I always think of high school teacher George Daniels that we had. He was an English teacher. And I think about him where coming into his class for the first time in high school, he seemed really tough. I won't say tough, just very stern, I guess. He was really hard to read. His face, you know, he didn't do a lot of expression with his face so much. And I didn't know what to expect from that. But then throughout the time, I saw a lot of moments where he was very passionate about what he did. He was passionate about his students. And even to grow older now, you know, hang out with his daughter, who's closer to our age as well, and just really get to see who he actually is better than just a teacher in a classroom. And I think that's important for us to all have in our life. We need somebody that we can look up to to get good instruction, somebody that cares about us, somebody that teaches us lessons that wants the best for us, but also isn't just going to sugarcoat it all. That sometimes you get called out and you get told just flat out, what you're doing and how that's not right and how you're screwing up. And, I, you know, I just think he does a great job, especially throughout the episodes, throughout time, as he continues to be in their lives in different phases, different steps, and just how he's there for them throughout all of it. When you care about someone, when you're genuine, when you truly love your students, you know, you don't give up on them. Mm -hmm. that, those are the attributes you saw in George Feeney mm -hmm. on the show. We, you know, we mentioned his relationship with Corey. They're neighbors, um, and, you know, Mr. Feeney really does care about Corey, but he, you see it with all his students, he, uh, in particular with Sean. Sean is, you know, the, a rough student who doesn't have a great home life, and Mr. Feeney stays on, especially that senior year. You need, to, you need to do this so you can go to college, Sean. You need to do this. I think you have a bright future, Sean. He keeps pushing him and pushing him, and he wouldn't do that if he didn't truly care. And Sean wanted to push it off and shake it off, and no, I'm not worth anything, and Mr. Da um, Mr. Daniels, mm -hmm. ironically, Mr. Feeney, wouldn't let him do it. He cares about him, and he's not willing to give up on him. And I see that, especially as a great point about picking out, knowing Sean didn't have a great life, knowing he didn't have people at home that were super supportive of him. Whereas if you look at the opposite, if you look at Corey's family, he had parents that were super supportive of him 
and his brother. Now, they still were very correcting of, you know, he didn't want him doing dumb junk, but he had a supportive family at home versus Sean did not. His family wasn't there half the time. And Mr. Finney stepped into that role somewhat, still not being buddy-buddy as a best friend, but also stepping in and just being there supporting him and pushing him to try harder because he knew he didn't have that at home. And I've seen that, you know, even with my mom working in the school system, you know, you come to know these type of things in these situations that even as students and friends you don't realize that are going on in some families' homes. And I think it's, as a teacher, that's something you don't, outsiders anyway, me looking in at a teacher since I'm not a teacher, seeing that, knowing that there's so much more of that that goes beyond just teaching a lesson and going home. It's actually knowing your students, knowing what they have to go home to and what they deal with and still trying to be there and support them beyond just, hey, go home and do your homework and bring it back. So, Corey and Topanga. Yes. They were set up very early on as the like the couple, the main relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know if you would describe it this way, but as someone who grew up watching the show, that was like the perfect relationship. Yeah, I thought about that this morning as I was like making a little note here or there. There's something childhood or childhood about it in me that makes me just want to forget any of the problems they actually had. Like if you were just to ask me and I hadn't gone back and watched this series, I would have totally thought, yeah, they had a perfect relationship. They were great. Everything worked out perfect for them. That's the dream couple. You know, I think back to Kevin and Winnie from the Wonder Years, and I think this is the more modern version. And I'm like, there's the perfect couple right there. But they're not. Like, they had a lot of struggles. They had a lot of struggles. Um, I think it's funny. The first season, Corey's in sixth grade, and they're not interested in dating girls at that point. No. You know, it's like, you know, I would never date her. Yuck. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, kind of how boys, you Mm -hmm. know, are when they're younger. And then the next season, or two seasons later, the very first episode, I'm going to ask Topanga to be my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You know, and just how quickly that dynamic shifts. Their first kiss happened in the fourth episode of the first season. I think it was her first episode appearing as a character. I think so, yeah. yeah. And, um, like, they're protesting something. You know, I don't even know. remember the whole story, mm-hmm. but they're handcuffed to the lockers. Yep. And whenever the protest is over, the rest of these kids unhandcuff, and, and Corey and Topanga are still handcuffed, and Topanga ends up kissing them, mm-hmm. you know, against the locker while they're handcuffed. You don't have to answer this. Okay. Was your first kiss while you were handcuffed? It was not. My first kiss, I'm pretty sure, was watching Toy Story 2 at the movie theater. The Howl Theater in, in Smithfield. Toy Story 2. We'll talk about that off air. Um, it was one of those things that, uh, at that age, you didn't really care. I was, I was honestly very much like Corey Matthews, you know, getting excited about trying to find a girlfriend. I started dating this girl because we danced together at a school dance and I got a note from her at the end of the dance and said, we're boyfriend, girlfriend now. Here's my name. Here's my favorite if color. Here's my birthday. It was that easy now. If it's right. like, here's the stat list, you know, of everything about me. Our, you know, our song is this. Like, we already had a song. You didn't even know you were dating and then you get that note and... I find out we're dating. We're dating and then we have a song. Color. All right. Uh, I was in seventh grade. How long did that relationship last? Out of curiosity. Craziest thing? Probably on and off years wow but we dated on and off like it was my first relationship so i wanted that thing the last more than anything probably more so like a year if you really put it together we dated again in high school but it really was not not the same no it was i had just, one of those relationships where yeah. it, it was in middle school and then it wasn't then it happened again in high school um my my first kiss was not also handcuffed against the lockers it was mm-hmm. after a dance in middle school i think well, in yeah. seventh grade or eight. it's a better setting than yeah. toy story 2. much better than toy story 2 which 
you know, that doesn't strike me as a romantic type of movie at all. But then again, that might not be, you know, what you had in mind. So all I knew as a kid was maybe I'm going to get a kiss tonight. And, and that's her, all her you cared about. We're like, hey, we're going to see Toy Story. <laughs> and you're like, heck yeah. Let's so watch. I show up. Go Toy Story 2. Craziest moment about that, I brought my friend Chris Rode with me. We brought, talked about him last episode. He'll end up guesting on the podcast at, at some, some point. point. Yeah, we're just yeah. building him up over time. Yeah, we're making him, you know, building up his stats. But I brought him because I was kind of nervous about doing this, going on a date by myself. Because I want to say it was like my first date as well. And we get to the theater and there's only two seats together. So me and the girl sit with each other, and then he sits beside some kid that talked to the entire theater at the very back, like some little kid. You're a good wingman, Chris. Chris Rowe was great. You're After the movie, wingman. I remember him talking about I think he came to be with some other girl, and then turns out she sat somewhere else, and he sat by himself. So, so they start dating in season three, I believe. I know mm-hmm. season two was just about, your, your, I'd say, your typical high school whatever. Mm-hmm. They end up going out in season three. And once they start dating, that's kind of, like all that there was for Topanga, mm-hmm. her main story was I'm Corey's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really do anything with that relationship until midway through the season. And they decide, you know what? We're, you know, we're basically like 92 years old married the way our relationship is. And we kind of want some more excitement. So they break up. Yeah. And then the rest of the season is Corey wants to get back together with Topanga. Mm-hmm. So they end up getting back together at Disney world. Yes. So they're back together. Season four comes. Topanga's parents are moving to Pittsburgh, which is three hours away from Philly. Mm-hmm. So they have to kind of break up. Mm-hmm. But then she runs away from home. She does. I, and I've watched that scene literally yesterday where, like, it's pouring down raining. There's a knock at the door. I got to tell you, even now, yeah. fist pump up in the yeah, air yeah. whenever she shows up at the door. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, like, because you even hear, like, you know, there's a knock at the door, pouring down rain, opens the door. There's a drenched Topanga smiling, so excited to be there. The crowd, because of course it was you know recorded in front of a live audience, they all go crazy cheering. It hits you like, and I think I don't know if you didn't watch it as a kid. I don't know if it would hit you the same way, but I know that moment it hits me. Like I haven't even watched the whole series around it to get the context of it, you know, to remember it. But seeing her at that door soaking wet, I was like, that's it. Like you know, it's like you say, like straight up fist pump in the air for that one. So um, Corey and Topanga, they get back together when she moves back or when she runs away. And they're dating throughout their senior year. They go on the senior ski trip. And Corey, Mm -hmm. like, hurts his ankle getting off the bus. Yep. And while sitting in the lodge, he gets to know the girl working at the mountain lodge. Her name's Lauren. Mm -hmm. And Lauren takes an instant liking to Corey. They end up talking all night. I'm shaking my head, folks. Shaking my head. The next night... Um, she ends up kissing him. Mm. He doesn't tell Topanga about it. She writes a little note, puts it in his bag. It falls out because, you know, sitcoms, they're going to find mm-hmm. out. And then they end up breaking up on Valentine's Day. Ladies, a cotton-headed ninny mode. Okay, so you... Okay, so Topanga or Lauren is my main question. Like, Topanga. And why do you say that? I don't... Because her and Corey are meant for each other. I feel like that's the thing that hits me. And I don't know that that's so much as just a nostalgic TV watching thing where it's like you're rooting for that. Same way when Fuller House has come out. Like, I know it's got mixed reviews or whatever, but DJ and Steve versus DJ and this other guy. And I'm like, no, she's supposed to be with Steve. That's how it's always been. That's how it's supposed to work. And I feel like it's just one of those things you get comfortable with something and you look at it. Now, sure, 
I guess it would have been different because he was dating Topanga at the time, right? It yes, wasn't like they he, split he, he was dating at the time. Like, so I feel in, like that in would a way, be he the was difference. kind of cheating on her. I mean, I don't I'll, think he was kind of cheating. Like, he was cheating. No, 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 no. He kissed. No, so no. Like, that's she cheating. kissed him. He didn't make a move. That was his mistake. He didn't move out of the way. He but didn't stop it. His lips were there. Um, but he didn't initiate it. He was whatever. I don't think. I don't know because he initiated it in a sense that his leg was better and he still kept lying and saying now, it wasn't. And now, with that, he did, with you know, he does have some issues there. He probably shouldn't have lied, blah, blah, blah. Um, the thing with Lauren is what I go back to that uh, earlier, she lived far away. You mm. know, it was kind of like that that girl, that new person you meet, and, you know, she's new and she's. She's shiny and new. Yeah, basically, but she's not what you've. You know, you've been dating the whole time. Sure. And so it may seem exciting and new at first, but, you know, ultimately I don't think Corey and Lauren would have worked out anyway, even though as a kid I really liked Lauren just because she seemed like a nice kid. And To be fair, like if we go back as a kid watching it, I probably would have thought the same thing because yeah. it's different, it's new. Even I remember being, you know, in in relationships that weren't really great relationships. Say my first one, you know, <laughs> where I got a note telling me about it. It's one of those things that you're there, but anything that comes along after dating somebody, you know, it's new, it's different, you know, this would be so much better. I mean, how many times have we looked at it? It's the whole grass is greener on the other side of the fence type thing. Like, you look at it and you see all the positives of one thing and talk yourself into knowing it would be so much better, but really it's, you're just ignoring what really is great and what you have. I've always heard, you know, when you think the grass is greener on the other side, your grass would be green too if you took some time to water it. Sure. I mean, so... You know, when it in the context of a relationship, if you took time to build into it, mm-hmm. then it would be green too. So. Yeah, green relationships. Everybody have one. Well, anyway, so they break up. They do. It's it's a bad few episodes mm-hmm. um, for Corey. You know, he's he's going through a really hard time. You know, it's his fault though, jerk. Topanga ends up going on a date with another guy. She kisses him, and then she decides after that kiss, you know what? I really think I should date Corey. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's like they got back together just in time for the end of the season. And I feel like now that we're talking more about it, I feel like I remember being a dude that's like all for Corey because this new girl is all falling in love for him. But when Topanga goes and like kisses the other guy, I'm like, whoa, 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 no, wait no, a no, no, you no, don't no. do that. You don't that's, do that. You don't do that. And Even then, we kind of had like a double standard. For, we did for sure. And you know, whether right or wrong, it's definitely wrong. But just I thought the same thing. Like, who is this jerk showing up? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, that's Corey's woman. That's what Corey's is he woman. I think even like. Uh, Topanga, uh, Angela, mm-hmm. Topanga's friend, Sean's girlfriend, said the same thing. You're like, you're Corey's woman. Come mm-hmm. on. So they uh, they get back together. They graduate. She proposes at the graduation. Yeah, yeah. Did you get proposed to on your graduation night? I did not. I did not either. Um, neither of my graduations. Um, I didn't go to my college graduation. I got them mailed to me. So maybe it would have happened. I wanted to get mine mailed to me, but my parents were like, we're going to a graduation, whether you're there or not. I figured I might as well show up. To be fair, mine was just community college. You know, now it's important, but so they get engaged. They were going to run off and get married that night, and then Topanga gets cold feet because she wants all her family to be there. They're engaged for a couple of years, and then Topanga's parents get a divorce, and Topanga mm-hmm. decides she doesn't believe in love anymore. So they break up again. I think this is the. Let me count them. One, two. Three. This is the fourth time they've fourth broken time. up. How many relationships have you gone through where y'all broke up multiple times? Two. Two? Not my marriage. Like See, with it, we've never broken up. In my experience, when you're broken up, mm-hmm. it stays that way. There is no, let's get back together. Let's 
no. I mean, even there has been one person in particular that we weren't even really dating. We went out one time and said, hey, this isn't going to work. And then six months later, let's try it again. Maybe it'll work mm. this time. And we did that off and on, but it wasn't a relationship. Sure. Um, usually when you were in a relationship and it, someone said, hey, we're broken up, from, from my experience, it didn't move past that. There wasn't like a reconnection or a, a reboot of the relationship down the line. So this kind of confused me looking back on it. I get that, though. It was like my first relationship, the one that was based off of a letter telling me everything. We dated on and off a lot like that. And I feel like, sure, it was a real relationship, if you want to call it that. But for the most part, it was just one of those things that I was this kid that didn't think very positively of myself. So if she broke up and she was interested again, I was all for it. So Definitely. They end up getting back together. I think uh, the episode where Koi wants to be the penguin. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, even humorously he keeps saying, I'm going to be the penguin. Yep. And he's the mascot of the... Mm-hmm. And he ends up, like, twisting his ankle. And uh, her and him and Topanga end up getting back together. They get married a couple episodes later. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the series, they move to New York. Topanga gets an internship with the law firm in New York. And mm-hmm. we don't ever hear from them ever again. No, that's not true. Not at Until all. Until a few years Girl ago. Girl Meets World. Girl Meets World. We'll talk about that at some point, too. Okay. So... That was Corey and Topanga's relationship. It was definitely had its ups and downs, um, but I think, you know, as children, we remember it being the perfect relationship, sure. but, you know, like all relationships, nothing's perfect. No, not at all. So, um, the next thing we're going to talk about is some of these episodes that were, I guess, like, ahead of their time in terms of the real-life application of what they were trying to teach or what, mm-hmm. you know, the kids were going through. And I've got a handful of episodes here. We're probably not going to go through all of them. Um, but some, some good episodes here for sure. Uh, the first one is the prom episode mm-hmm. where this is right after Corey and Topanga got back together. They're going to their senior prom and for the boys, they're only thinking of one thing. What shoes to wear. Yes, that's it. Cause you got to dance. Yes, you have to dance. No, they're thinking the prom's at a hotel. Mm. They're thinking. That's a mistake anyway. Yeah. Why are you going to put high why, school why would, prom exactly. at a hotel? I get um, it. Maybe that's the fanciest thing you got around, but I mean. Because I remember that, like him having a room and being so excited, and mm-hmm. but then also being nervous but excited, like you know, there nah, was a very important lesson there, um, and I think Corey's dad kind of teaches it to him. You know, something unexpected can happen, you know, in just a moment, mm. and I think that kind of got through to him. But the whole time that Corey is thinking, I'm going to get this girl up to this room, and then we're going to do some stuff, and mm-hmm. that he wasn't even 100 percent sure what they were going to do, um, but he, he just like let's get him into the hotel room and. You know, it was played for laughs, but it's a serious thing now. And, yeah. Um, especially as an adult, and you, you, you see kids nowadays, um, and I sound so old when I say that. You see you these too. kids nowadays. I mean, back in my day. Back in my day. We, I tell you what, Sonny, you stay at home. But it's an important lesson that I think it was a valuable for, for us and even a valuable lesson for people to learn today. So uh, that's that episode. Uh, the underage drinking episode happened a few episodes prior to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is during Corey and Topanga's breakup. Yep. And Corey decides to swipe a liquor bottle from his dad's cabinet, mm-hmm. and he gets drunk at a party, him and Sean both. Mm-hmm. And then Sean ends up, you know, liking it a little too much is the way Angela put it, but it turns out his family has a history of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that episode? I remember parts of it, but I really don't remember the entire episode. I remember kind of Angela in that sort of situation, but that's about as much as I get. It was enough to scare me from a lot of heavy drinking, mm. like for a long, long time. Like it, as a kid, for sure. It's, That's totally understandable. It, it scared me a lot, um, just because I knew I didn't want to act like that. Mm. I can agree with that. Like growing up, my parents didn't drink, and so 
that was an issue. You know, they were never hardcore like, don't drink, that's, you know, going to hell. Well, like, it wasn't that. But at the same time, it wasn't viewed positively, I guess, is the easiest way to say that. So seeing this on TV just reaffirmed that that's super dangerous. You know, if you touch that stuff, you're going to be a jerk, you know. And that kind of affirmed it to me as a kid, you know, just because that's just what we grew up around. Um, you know, I have somewhat different beliefs on it now, you know, won't go into all that. But, you know, I can totally, I totally think it's something to be talked about now. Disney didn't, they canceled or didn't replay that, right? When the, episode, the when the episodes re-ran on the Disney Channel, mm-hmm. they didn't replay this episode or the prom episode. Gotcha, okay. Um, they just skipped those in the rotations because they talked about underage drinking and premarital sex. So that was, um, you know, that was kind of a big deal in the eyes of the Disney Channel. You don't want to show that to your, you know, underage I get it, too, children. because when they were redoing reruns, it was like right after school. It wasn't like Friday nights like it would have been originally coming out. So I get it, but I definitely think it's important. I definitely, like you say, I think... It does make us sound older, but I definitely think kids nowadays could definitely benefit from something like that. Now, there's an episode uh, later on when they're in college where Corey and Topanga and the rest of the game have this professor named Stuart. Mm -hmm. And Stuart is this cool professor. Like, he is the opposite of Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney loves and cares about his kids, but he's kind of old and out there and... You know, he can't really relate to the, the, mm-hmm. these students now the way... Now, is this the guy that Kevin Savage played? Uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Fred I don't Savage. know where... Kevin, Kevin was Kevin is his Wonder character on The Wonder Years. Yeah. Fred Savage. So, Stuart goes to Topanga's dorm room to discuss a paper and ends up making a play at her. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, hey, I'm attracted to you. A little bit of Romeo and Juliet happened. And, you know, he uses his position his uh, um, to put himself... Uh, to hold power over Topanga. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up being very dishonest about his intentions there to the point where Corey ends up punching him yeah. or shoving him or shoving him through the doors. I think he either punched him or shoved him. Corey ends up getting suspended for one day. Mm-hmm. But this episode was really ahead of its time. It was. Because sure. uh, we were hearing about, I mean, I'm sure men back then were doing it or people in positions of power um, using that power, using their position to mm-hmm. gain favor or to. Um, to put people in uncomfortable positions, uh, and Topanga, you know, kind of went through that on the show. Yeah, and it, like you say, you know, it's come into light more in recent years, where it's been more people are finally starting to stand up for things. Not to say that people wouldn't have before, but it's become a lot more knowledgeable, a lot more out there that people understand this happens a lot more than you think it does. Um, and I think, like you say, for something like that on TV that long ago, I think it was a bold step. It was something that needed to happen to make sure people knew, like, no, this isn't okay. And if you find out, you know, being a boyfriend or being some friend or whatever, you find out that's happening, like, no, it's not cool. Don't sweep that under the rug. Like, call it what it is. And don't be afraid, you know, even if you do risk getting suspended. And I'm not saying go and deck people, but, I mean, don't just stand by the sidelines and let some junk happen. Like, don't be a bystander. No. Stand, you know, stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that episode taught this lesson all the way back in 1998, I believe, so, or yeah. 1999. And with that, like, I didn't take you know, actual episodes and look through them, you know, to quote the episodes. But I did look at some of the topics that, you know, played a, a, a significant role and things you could have learned from this TV series. And I think the biggest one or one of them is family can be found anywhere. Um, constantly in the show, whether it be Corey's family, his parents, um, him and Eric, just in general, reaching out for Sean, reaching out for other people who are in need. You see also that, you know, there's an episode where Eric, the older brother, brings home this kid, Tommy, who's, you know, as he's being Santa Claus at the mall, this kid sits on his lap, he realizes this kid, you know, without a home, a foster kid or an orphan kid, and how he wants to bring him in 
to his life, you know, and he goes so far as wanting to adopt him. Now, it wasn't realistic for him at the time, and things changed, but people constantly reaching out and being family to people that didn't have family, uh, and I feel like that has crossed over with teachers and relationships with their students and everything else. Um, and another one that really stood out for me was everybody's journey is different. Um, each one of them started off, if you looked at each one, they kind of have their own journey ahead of them. Each one of them, if you were to just say clicks or pick them out, you know, Sean's the cool kid out of the bunch. He's got the cool hair, you know, everything else. He gets in a little bit of trouble, but he was, would be so-called the cool kid if you were to look at our class type stuff. And then to realize all the junk he's going through at home, you don't realize at all. You know, if you have Corey who kind of, especially in those early seasons, does anything he can to fit in with anybody. Um, he wants to be cool. He, he values that over friendship and everything else. And he learns over time that that doesn't hold up. Um, but just as they grow older, and, you know, you talked about it to you a little bit earlier about how getting closer to their senior year and, you know, you know, for Sean really being focused. I think when, you know, Mr. Turner at some point asked Corey and Topanga where they're going and, you know, Topanga's like, I'm going to Penn State. And Corey's like, I'm going there because she's going there, you know. And each one, as they grow older, you see how they have different paths, but they all still stick together. It doesn't mean just because you're different and the things you, you know, that you enjoy or the, whatever you do, just because you're different somebody doesn't mean you can no longer be friends. You can't be there for each other throughout time. You know, I feel like I've grown through that a lot more where a lot of my friendships, you know, throughout my life is either, you know, I have my band friends over here and I have my car club friends over here. And now I'm at a point that I'm not doing really either one. And I'm just, I've had friends now. And, you know, it's a point that we can all hang out together no matter what. I still love everybody from all those different groups, but it's just a, a different life now that you finally see the difference, I guess, and just how the, everybody has different paths, but it doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong. It just means that, you know, you got your own thing. One of the things that I think really kind of played that up a little bit was the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Um, just to talk real briefly about that, where Sean's family invites the Matthews over to the trailer park yeah. for Thanksgiving. And you see, like, the different, I guess, class styles or... Mm-hmm. You know, the Matthews are middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hunters, you know, they're they're considered, I guess, lower class. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of, they're all nervous. All the adults are just kind of nervous about, you know, intermingling the families where the kids have, you know, they don't really care. They're not worried about social um, status. They're you know, just they, there because they care about They end themselves. up setting the example. And it's an example I think we can all mm-hmm. uh, take away from, from the show. It doesn't matter what your social economic status is. No. You you all matter. You're all important. Love each other. Yeah. You know. I mean, be friends with each other. Be friendly. That shouldn't define you. No. And it, like you say that, and it brings up and reminds me. You know, Sean's parents were constantly thinking that Corey's parents thought that they were better than them because of what they had to provide or what they had to you know show as their meal. Versus Corey's parents were trying not to go overly bored. You know, they just wanted to be there and be that you know thankful to be there with them but at the same time they're overly cautious about everything they do and say and it makes a really awkward situation versus the kids finally go and have their own thanksgiving together and it finally brings them together i think that's a good point so the next thing we want to talk about and there's several episodes that we could keep talking about but i mean we don't want this thing to be four hours long uh we want to talk about some notable guest appearances Mm -hmm. on the show one of my favorite little tidbits is that Topanga's parents mm-hmm. were played by the, the two parents, mom and dad, mm-hmm. played by a combined five different actors. Hmm. So, like, Topanga's dad was first played by Peter Tork, who was a member of the Monkees. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, they make this great uh, appearance uh, in one episode where they end up singing My Girl, mm-hmm. like all the Monkees. We'll talk about a couple of the other members in a, in a second. 
Um, then was played by Michael McLean, or excuse me, Michael McKean, mm-hmm. who uh, has recently appeared on Better Call Saul. Okay. He's excellent in that show mm-hmm. as uh, Saul Goodman's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows up at, at the end of season six, and then they recast him again, uh, Mark Harrelick. And I, I don't even know if to pronounce that right. I couldn't find much that he's really been in mm-hmm. notable. Um, but he ends up being... Uh, the uh, the dad or Topanga's dad mm-hmm. at the very end of the series ends up walking her down the aisle. Hmm. Her mom was first played by Annette O'Toole, who ironically is married to Michael McKean. Hmm. So they they were that husband and wife, and they played husband and wife on TV. And then she was replaced by uh, Marcia Cross, or is it Marcia 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 Cross? We'll go with Marcia Cross. That'll work. So five actors played Topanga's parents. That's crazy, it's insane. Do you have a favorite guest appearance person? Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite. I have a few quick notices, nothing that really were major roles. Uh, I think Dan Lori, I think is how you pronounce it. He made my first list. He's the dad from the Wonder Years, so I thought it was kind of cool that he crossed over. You oh, know, yeah. turns out he was only there for an episode. He's like a judge that was teaching yeah, when, Corey speeding lessons. Corey was speeding, yeah, yeah. And then the fact that Fred Savage, you know, he did. He's Ben Savage's brother, so it's Corey's brother in real life. You know, but he comes on. It was Kevin from the Wonder Years. So how that crossed over into that too? Now, sure, he was the jerk teacher that hit on Topanga, but he played a, a, a good role. It was cool to see him cross over at least. Apparently, Ben Savage also appeared in the Wonder Years when yeah, he yeah, was yeah. younger. I didn't realize that. I didn't until, either. You know, until I did some research uh, this week. So uh, that's a cool little that you know you appear on my show. I'll appear on your show. Yeah. Uh, quick, real quick too was Adam Scott. Uh, from Parks and Rec and a lot of other stuff. Griff. Yeah, he plays Griff. Like, And I've watched Parks and Rec, and I didn't think anything about it, and then all of a sudden somebody said something. You go back and look, and it's like, yeah, the guy looks practically the same now, especially in the face. And I feel like, too, growing up, I felt like Griff was there for years, but he was only in there like four episodes. Like, I don't know. But it was just cool to see random people like that that show up that you don't really remember, but it was just a little touch. And the only other ones that really stood out was the – Kids, especially the first season, you know, we've talked about it in the old podcast that we didn't, you know, we threw in the trash, but there was that chair in the lunchroom with Corey and Sean that was like the chair of death or whatever. You showed up, you were in an episode, and you never came back. You know, that first season, they rotated them out. There's two kids from The Sandlot, the movie The Sandlot, that were in there, the guy that played Squints and the guy that played Yeah Yeah. Both of them randomly are just sitting there at the table, like, talking. They have roles or whatever, but then you never see them again. And stuff like that for me is just always cool to go back and watch now and see. I know uh, one of the girls from the Mighty Ducks movie makes an appearance at some point. There's a lot of stuff like that. They're not major roles. They're not huge things, but just uh, random people that you know who they are now but didn't have a clue who they were then, just how they pop up. A couple of guys and gals I want to talk about real quick. Uh, These might even be recurring characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blake Clark. I love Blake Clark. As Chet Hunter. Honestly, like he is one of my favorite people out of this episode, out of the series. Sure, he's not a great dad by no means. Something about Blake Clark and just who he is, like his personality, and anything he does, he's that person. And Home Improvement, I know you're starting to watch that. He ends up being Harry that owns Harry's Hardware Store. He acts like the same guy. He's got that same gruff voice. I say gruff, you know, the, the rougher voice. But he's just that happy-go-lucky type guy, you know, just his personality. Now, sure, I get it. Like, he's not a good dad. He's constantly chasing, you know, his ex-wife or wife, whatever, doing making dumb mistakes, but... Just his character. He comes on and he just lights up the screen. And he goes on now to play uh, Slinky. Slinky Dog. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, he's related to or connected to three of the franchises in our first six episodes. Yeah. Uh, Toy, the Toy Story franchise, which we did in episode one, mm-hmm. this one, and then we'll do Home Improvement in a few weeks. Yeah. 
Um, so, but my favorite thing about him is his first appearance mm-hmm. at Career Day, where he talks he's about he, he's an ideas man, and he says, "Got this idea for an all cable news network, twenty four mm-hmm. hours a day." Mm-hmm. And Topanga's like, "You invented CNN?" He's like, "That's it, CNN. That's what I was gonna call it, mm-hmm. Chet's News Network." <laughs> but then I got to talking to some guy from Atlanta, and all next thing I know, it's gone. Yep. I mean, so J- Chet Hunter was fantastic. All of his moments where he pops up is just hilarious because you want to watch. You're like on edge, just waiting. Like, what is he going to do? Like, it's going to be funny. And he was a part of one of the mo- more emotional moments of the series he when he his character had a heart attack and passed away, mm-hmm. and then he ends up appearing as a ghost uh, later on in the se- uh, Towards in the, the series. Season, yeah, um, and I think he even shows up in Girl Meets World. He does. Um, yeah. So. Uh, even in the grave, that character still lives on in its own way. Uh, two two guest stars that I know that me and you really enjoyed were Vader, Vader who sure. was Frankie's dad, mm-hmm. uh, Frankie the bully. Um, Vader shows up in several episodes. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the series, Mankind shows up oh, to Mick referee, Foley. Mick Foley to referee the uh, Eric and Jack mm-hmm. versus the girls, and the winner gets the apartment. Yep, and then at the end of the episode, he ends up tossing Eric in the air, and he, you know, but those were just two fun cameo guest appearances that. And for I, people I, that don't know wrestling, would have no clue that like that's who they are. But especially we talked about last week doing the wrestling stuff, being teenagers and watching wrestling, and all of a sudden some of your favorite people just randomly show up on your TV network that you're watching. It's like, wait, that's Vader. Where's his mask? And then all of a sudden, finally later, he does have his mask. And same way with Mick Foley or Mankind, as that comes on, I mean. I don't know, just that, that random stuff that you have this part of your life that you love so much, and then they cross over. I don't know. It's like an so, explosion in your mind. So, real quick, Linda Cardellini, who Who's I know uh, she played Lauren, and uh-huh. she was in a lot of other stuff, but the thing I know her most for now, she was Hawkeye's wife in the Avengers movie. Oh, okay. Totally didn't get that. Um, I think she was in Mad Men. I want to say Freaks and Geeks was one of her mm. big uh, TV vehicles. Um, she drove a TV? No. Moving on. Um, Candace Cameron, yeah, from Full House. She was a, a played a, a witch in season five who wanted to take over Jack and Eric's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't recognize her until the credits at the end of this um, episode showed her name. I'm like, wait a minute, that was her. Yeah, and she did a really good job playing someone who was not DJ Tanner. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's tough to do because you have people like this. In the same way, you know, Ben Savage goes and plays anything else. I'm like, no, that's Corey. Like, that's who he is. Like, it's tough to get that it's out of your mind. It's tough to not be typecast, especially sure. when that's your first big role. We'll talk about her in a second, but Jennifer Love Hewitt as mm-hmm. Jennifer Love Pfefferman. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about her in a, in, a, in a moment. Brittany Murphy. Yeah, yeah. She played Topanga's goofy friend Trini in a couple of episodes, and I didn't recognize her because she had dark hair. She had mm-hmm. black hair in some of these episodes. You always saw her as blonde and other things. And uh, Davy Jones, who was on in The Monkees, mm-hmm. played Reg, Reginald Fairfield. Who was this guy, the house guest who no one wanted, mm-hmm. shows up and he said, Mr. Matthews, Alan, you know that time you said anytime I needed something, you, you'd be there for me? Well, I need a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And he ends up just kind of wreaking havoc for an episode, and then he ends up staying with someone else, and uh, just a fun little you know episode with him. That, that accent, just every time he introduced himself, Reg, Reginald Fairfield. <laughs> the thing that's always funny for me, especially being a kid and not really realizing who the monkeys were so much, is... I remembered him from uh, the Brady Bunch, where she's writing a letter hoping that Davy Jones will come and answer. And, you know, of course he's not going to come, but then he shows up and, like, saves the day. But then all of a sudden, here he is on Boy Meets World, and it's like, Davy Jones, I know that guy. I think he's in the Monkees. I, I think. I don't know. Don't but know who the Monkees are. He's Reginald now. So, 
Just how things like that crossover end up coming back in time and how you remember them. And then Melissa Joan Hart ends up crossing over from her series, Serena the Teenage Witch, and that mm-hmm. same witch episode at mm-hmm. the end, kind of as a little cameo. Uh, there's two other guys who were actually main series stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Turner, played mm-hmm. by Anthony Tyler Quinn, and uh, Eli Williams, played by Alex Desert. Yep. Or Desert. I'm not really sure how he pronounced Desert. it. Desert. Desert. Okay. And they were teachers at the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we both really enjoyed Mr. Turner. Mr. Williams was only there for one season. I thought he was pretty cool as yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Turner's best friend. Um, what are your thoughts on Mr. Turner? Mr. Turner is honestly probably one of my favorite characters out of the entire sh- series. Um, almost a show, but series, whichever. Uh, I said earlier how I think of Mr. Feeney and I think of George Daniels. I think of Mr. Turner, especially now seeing Mr. Turner, I automatically think of two teachers I had in college or you know, professors or whatever. Both of them were different in the way that Mr. Turner is, where he's an education you know, teacher. He wants kids to learn. He wants them you know, to do well. But a lot of his methods are a little bit different. He's more cool. He's more hip. But at the same time, it's not just him trying to be cool or hip. He wants to try different things that haven't been done that way in the past. And I had these two professors that are that way, you know, Sure, you had tests, you had quizzes, you had homework, but the way they taught, the way they went over things were not your typical way of how things should be handled. They wanted to do it differently to see if you could learn it in a different way and if it would affect you better. And I felt like that comes from when you experience things and how it you know affects you and then growing up and trying to use that to see how you can better connect with kids or connect with youth. You know, you and I have both been, uh, especially you more so, but you know, youth leaders within you know our church or whatever, and even that, you know, how you grew up and how things affected you. And now you're in that, that leadership role and how you want to connect in a different way and in a better way that you think you can compared to how, you know, you were connected when you were younger. So I think a lot, I definitely think his, his time got cut way too short, if you ask me. He was really kind of done a disservice, to, in my opinion, in the fourth season. I think he only appeared in six or seven episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely made an impact, you know, watching back um, in some of his earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, introduced comic books, yeah. you know, as a way of teaching, and it was something that was kind of frowned upon by Mr. Feeney. Mm-hmm. But now, I think teachers are, you know, we're kind of told to stick to a curriculum, but in a way, we're encouraged to look outside the box and see what mm-hmm. works to try to reach the kids. And I just, I loved the Mr. Turner character so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to lead us into our final question for each other was. Your favorite episode and why? What's yours? My favorite episode was And Then There Was Sean. Nice. I was afraid we were going to have the same one. We don't. Okay, good. So And Then There Was Sean was a uh, episode that happened right after Corey and Topanga broke up, and it spoofs a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's a great episode. It's a fantastic episode where they're, they they all get the tension, including this kid named Kenny, mm-hmm. who just wanted to borrow a pencil, mm-hmm. and... The door's locked. Feeney leaves on the door's locked. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. Mm-hmm. And the lights come on, and Kenny's dead. That pencil was shoved oh right through. Oh, my God. They killed Kenny. <laughs> um, Eric and Jack, who show up, which they, they make a South Park reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, they open the door. howdy ho! Yep. And, oh, my God, they killed Kenny. And they mm-hmm. run out into the hallway. And Sean keeps making all these references. This is just like that movie where they all died. Mm-hmm. The movie where they all died. <laughs> <laughs> And then Mr. Feeney ends up dying, and the janitor ends up dying, and Sean's like, um, this, just is like this is just like the movie, The Last of the Usual Suspects. <laughs> I like, they just keep making all these references to, to, that, uh, to uh, the horror movies. 
Jennifer Love Hewitt shows up as Jennifer Love Pfefferman, mm-hmm. uh, mainly just to make out with Eric. Um, you know, he, he's supposed to be standing guard and runs to this mysterious girl, and he, he's like, I don't believe you. And she's like, it's not me. He's like, I do believe you. Yeah. <laughs> um, each character ends up getting killed off one by one until there's just three characters left. It's Sean, Corey, and Topanga. Who would have thought? And the the killer in the mask, which was a spoof on Scream, mm-hmm. ends up putting Corey and Topanga's hands together, and it turns out the killer was Sean. All this time. And then it turns out Sean's dreaming about how he, so. he feels like he wrecked the relationship. But just a fun episode. I mean, as much as killing and stuff can be. Mm. But I just thought it was... But it's done in like the humorous it was a de- horror way. It was a departure from what you normally saw from this sitcom. Mm. They usually did one or two wacky episodes a year where they would travel back in time or they would, mm-hmm. you know, dream. About, but this was just done as a homage to horror movies. And at the time, I loved horror movies, especially all the ones they were yeah. referencing, um, even the fake ones. And um, it still holds up to this day. It's it really fanta- does. I think it's actually the cast favorite episode, too. I did see that, looking up different ones. And I've looked at some other lists to see what the top one was. And that one was literally number one on a lot of lists that I saw online and on YouTube and everything else. Um, mine, I have one, I wrote a backup one just in case I didn't write the episode. I, I thought of a second one just in case you, you took the other one. Uh, my favorite episode is cult fiction. Um, that's the name of the episode. Uh, we were talking about Mr. Turner. You know, we talked about, you know, I think they're in 11th grade at this point. Mr. Turner's talking to them. He's like, Sean, you need to, you know, get this stuff serious. You need to figure out what your life's going to be. You know, you, you got to start applying, you know, you know, and he said, you know, I want to go to college or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, you need to start working at that. Same way he starts working on these things. Well, Sean's trying to figure out who in the world he is. He gets wrapped up in a cult uh, where they love him and they don't judge. And anytime somebody says something, you're judging, you're judging, you're judging. Uh, all this stuff. His friends try to speak to him. Corey tries to speak to him. Mr. Feeney, everybody tries to speak to him. He doesn't want to hear it. Because for the first time, he's got all these people loving on him. Sean comes from home and didn't get that. Uh, and then Mr. Turner is in a motorcycle accident. And then Sean's like, why? Like, this never happens. Why would, you know, you never, you know, mess up in your motorcycle. Uh, they get to the waiting room, and, you know, they are still, they're trying to, to teach him to get away from this cult. He goes and gets the cult leader and brings him with him. And the cult leader is not some big satanic-looking dude like you would typically think, like, oh, that's what they probably look like. No, it's not. It's a guy, just normal-looking dude in a suit, but he's, over, you know, he's real slick with his words. And I think, honestly, the thing that hits me most in this episode is Corey's dad. Like, I don't know. For me, I was thinking about it as I was you know, preparing for this episode. I really feel like Corey's parents are probably my favorite TV parents of all time. Uh, they, they were loving. They didn't, you know, they still flirted with each other. They still had fun with each other. But they were very serious in protecting their kids. They were very serious in protecting Sean, you know, his kids' friends. Where this guy is, you know, all slick and talking junk, and next thing you know, you know, Mr. Matthews, Alan Matthews, shoves this man in a wall and gets real serious and says, "No," he's like, "You know, I made the best choice a long time ago when I, you know, I decided that Sean Hunter was my son's best friend," and he gets on his face, and it reminds me of Ray Road, uh, same Chris Road we've talked about that's going to join us in some way. His dad, uh, he was that type of guy, and still is, but he had a big influential part in my life where he's going to call you on stuff. And especially if it's his son or his son's friends, he's going to protect him with everything he's got. Uh, and so that just really stands strong to me. You know, it even goes even further where Sean's in the room by himself where he's wanting just to get back to the, you know, the center or whatever, to get back to the cult people. And Corey and Topanga said, no, you can't leave. We can, but you can't. So they leave him in the room with Mr. Turner, who's unconscious uh, in a coma. 
And he just starts pouring it out, pouring it out to Mr. Turner, pouring it out to God, just saying, like, you know, God, I never wanted to come to you, especially like this. But, you know, here, here's everything. And it made me think of how many times in my life have I been in that sort of, maybe not necessarily in the hospital per se, but just been in times where you feel lost and you're looking for some place to, to accept you, to, you know, to love you. You know, I went through my whole, you know, punk stage or whatever in, in high school and that, you know, scared my parents because of the way I dressed or whatever, and, but they loved me through it. But of course I was the same way. They'd say anything. Oh, you're ju- so judgmental. You judge everybody, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I felt like that hit me close to home. Um, for me, you know, I'm, I can be an emotional dude, and I feel like, in general, when episodes like that happen, they hit me in such a hard way where I wanted to tear up so bad. It worked watching this episode yesterday. Um, I'm glad I had my door shut. But the only other one uh, that I did just real quick was we'll have a good time then. Uh, in a similar way, Sean's dad shows back up. He wants to be back in his, you know, his son's life. He's met, you know. Sean's met his you know, half brother or whatever, and he wants to be a part of their lives. And Sean the whole time is talking about he's going to leave. He's going to leave. He always leaves. He's going to leave. Uh, during an argument, his dad Chet, you know, we mentioned earlier, Chet Hunter, Chet Hunter, he has a heart attack, ends up in the hospital. Um, there's a lot of little things in that that I probably didn't catch as a kid. But Chet, you know, Alan Matthews is there in the room, and he said, you know, Alan, promise me you'll take care of my boys. And Alan's like, what are you talking about? You know, you know, you're not going anywhere. You're fine. And he's, you know, talking about running off to Vegas for a job or whatever as a blackjack, you know, player or dealer or whatever. And he kind of says that. But watching this episode again, you know it's much deeper than that. He knows it's not because he says, please watch over my boys. And Alan, even teary-eyed, looks back at him and says, I promise you I will. And I started choking up at work yesterday watching that scene. Like, like I said, once again, I'm glad my doors are shut. People aren't, you know, hearing me bawling in my office. But these moments he ends up you know the boys come back together start working on this and his dad ends up dying you know he he tells Sean he's sorry for being you know not a great dad at all his entire life um they have come a little bit of reconnection there and all of that well Sean tells him I I need you dad and he says I need you too son and they hug and And he they're both balling it's yeah it's It's a heavy episode it's a very heavy episode um, both of those episodes were Mm -hmm. were very heavy um for from the first one cult cult fiction Mm -hmm. Um, when Corey tells Sean, this is a hug, and he hugs him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's powerful to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't just like a, we're trying to get you to be a part of our group hug, so we're going to treat you good. This is what a real hug feels mm-hmm. like. When Alan, uh, Corey's dad, asked Sean in the backyard, you know, what do you believe in? Do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. You know, just calling him like, hey, what what is it that you believe in? Why is this, you know, the center really pulling you in and, such a fantastic episode. It would definitely make my top five for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are very good episodes. My backup episode was a more more funny episode, uh, the Thriller and Phila. No, that's a great episode. When Corey joins the wrestling team, mm-hmm. Corey, the Corey Matthews, um, he ends up wrestling um, Joey the Rat, um, mm-hmm. and then at some point Vader shows up. That's Vader's first appearance. Yep. Uh, the end of the episode um, just kind of like teases Corey and Topanga's relationship because he asked what uh what quote would, do you have in the yearbook? Apparently they had quotes in the seventh or eighth grade yearbook. Might as well. Um, we didn't get quotes in our yearbooks in high school. So. No, probably um, good. I, probably, I probably good. Said something stupid. <laughs> A lot, yeah, but uh, Topanga's was you do your thing and I'll do mine. You are you and I am I. But if in the end we end up together, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Corey said, "We'll put that down for me too." And yeah. so. but originally his was like raw or something. Raw. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
uh, I feel like that kind of wraps it up. I feel like there's so much more. If you've never seen this series, I believe you should totally. We need didn't to go even watch mention. This. We mentioned Jack once. We didn't even mention Rachel. No. who shows up in season six. I mean, there's so She's much. She's living a whole different life now. A whole different uh, life. Yeah, don't look that up, no. please. Yeah, Minkus that I felt like yeah. growing up. Minkus was there forever. Turns out he was. He was only, only there for one season and no. a guest appearance in season five. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how like these things. How you remember them and how you don't. Um. I wanted to throw this out there. I posted it earlier today on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we had some people come back and comment on their favorite moments. Uh, so I'm going to touch on those a little bit. Uh, Cassie Starr had posted, so I used to love watching this. I loved Corey and Topanga. You know, I felt like for her too, probably seems like they had a perfect relationship. The same way you, when you hear Corey and Topanga, you're like perfect people made, you know, match made in heaven. Um, a part that my friend Joel Fitzgerald said, he said, sometimes on sitcoms like that, a character would drop off with no explanation. And I remember when the little sister left for like a couple seasons and then came back as a different actress. They leaned into it like, wow, what did you do? You were grounded for a long time. He said, I thought it was funny that they were that self-aware. Yeah, she even make, she makes a comment, that was the longest time out I ever had. Yeah, and then I was thinking about it. Uh, my friend Aaron ended up coming back too. But I remember that because watching Girl Meets World, it was hilarious. I think it's like the finale on Girl Meets World where there's the little brother who's there and he doesn't necessarily know, you know, he's kind of figuring out his part in life or whatever. Well, the first younger sister that the actress that played her is in there and she's talking to him, giving him life advice about being the youngest and how people really do care about him, you know, and they care about what the youngest one has to say. And then all of a sudden this other actress walks in, literally high fives or tags out, sits down, finishes the conversation while the other actress walks off set and is gone. And he stops some of the things that, whoa, wait a second. Does that mean there's going to be two of me? Yes. And they're like, no, there can only be one of you or something like that. But I love when shows do that too. Um, Fuller House, the first season, literally ragged on uh, Michelle Tanner uh, or the Olsen twins. Not to say ragged in a bad way, but multiple times they called it out and looked at the camera and just stared for a couple seconds. It was just hilarious. Like, you just know like, what we're talking about. Yeah. And so the fact that they don't hide it, and I feel like they do at least touch on it where there's multiple times like family matters and other shows people just disappear or a different actor shows up or all of a sudden there's an extra kid or one less kid and it's not talked about and you literally just forget about it there's a couple of other examples in boy meets world uh they mentioned sean's sister early yeah. on they mentioned topanga has a sister who ends up disappearing out of nowhere and the whole reason sean had a sister just so they could get a movie from her you know the movie or hair stuff uh, hair stuff the hair stuff well the reason um, that original line was going to be given to one of the kids who sat in the chair of death, mm. but they ended up firing him. They didn't have a kid to sit in that chair, so Sean took his lines. And so for one episode, he had a sister. Um, what else we have from the Facebooks or the, the Instagrams? Facebook, Amber Johnson and uh, Whitney Anderson also loved this, but it says, don't you mean do well? And he says, no, I mean do good. Uh, you want to quote that? Are you better that whole quote than I am? I have to look it up, but uh, give me a second. Um and there's another one I'll, I'll jump to while you're pulling that up. Uh, my friend Justin Barrier also said, if you let other people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you will never grow as a person. That's a fantastic quote. Too. It is. And I feel like watching back, there's so many moments of just words in general that are spoken. There's quotable moments in general, but there's so many things that aren't just some cheesy line from a TV show. They're literally life lessons that you can learn so much from. They're words of wisdom from Mr. Feeney, from Mr. Turner, from you know the the... Uh, the Matthews family, just everybody in general, you know, there's so many quotable lines. Mr. Feeney's final closing words to the three of them, you know, I bawled watching that as well. I'm a crybaby, it's okay. Uh, but Eric's working on pulling that up. But uh, that was our most commented type stuff. And we had a few others, but 
Uh, I know we're running a little late on time. I'll let Eric jump in. So uh, that quote, uh, Eric and Sean and Topanga and Corey go to the classroom Mm -hmm. one more time. Mr. Feeney's there, and they're like, teach us something else. Teach us one more thing. And he looks at them, and he says, believe in yourselves. Dream. Try. Do good. And Topanga asks, don't you mean do well? And Mr. Feeney says, no. I mean do good. And then that last quote, I love I love you all. Mm-hmm. Class dismissed. I'm wanting to tear up now. Even you too, look at me dead and I, I saying too. that from across the table. I, I don't know if I'm you like, heard the voice break. It yeah. was there. I'm like you're not Mr. Feeney, but it still hits me in the heart. Um, I'm just thankful for stuff like that. You know, I'm thankful for good books that hit you like that. I'm thankful for great songs that can just hit you and make your you know the spirit inside of you just move. I'm thankful for TV shows that as a kid you watch there's something fun just to watch on TV. But you can come back as an adult, watch, and it really hits you in the heart. It hits you and makes you think of people in your life, makes you think of moments that you grew up in similar ways. But then especially stuff like that, that just hits you and makes you understand life. You understand life better than you did as a 12-year-old and just how deep this stuff is and how it affects you. Your life's the same way. It's not just some cheesy little TV show. Like It's real. Definitely my second favorite quote of the whole series. Mm -hmm. What's your first? (laughs) Fina! There you go. I didn't think we'd make it without that. Oh, I love the Feeny call. All righty. What we got coming up next week, sir? All right. So next week, it means no worries for the rest of your days. Sing it with me. It's a problem-free philosophy. Akuna Matata. Yeah, that's right. We're that's doing, a good one. We're doing the Lion King Ladies next and gentlemen, week. we're excited for that. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Again, if you want to get us on social media, at WTW underscore media on Twitter, What the What Media on Instagram. We are on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and we will soon be on Google Play on Android devices. Uh, be sure to share uh, share this episode. Check uh, Check us out. Share us with friends. Subscribe to our podcast. Listen to us. Um, and again, let us know what you want. We had uh, someone uh, comment earlier today on Instagram some um, some ideas for episodes that they want to hear, and we want to hear from you. What do you want to hear from us? Uh, we're super thankful. Next week is the Lion King. Cannot wait. Uh, Kyle? Yes. Send us out of here in style. Are you sure you want that? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I am ready. I'm ready for it. Okay. I'll just leave you with this, folks. As the great... George Feeney said, do good. Go out there this week. Do good. Don't worry about doing well. Well, I guess worry about doing well, but do good. Do good, folks. Love you. See you later. That's what the what. Bye. Bye.